Good afternoon, Saints. Welcome to another TRC broadcast. I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and let me be the first to say I'm glad you're here. So we thank God for another day, another opportunity to share the Word of God with you. So let's just jump right on into it. As you know, we've been talking about understanding the process of faith. We talked about the fact that faith, there is a process to it. Many times people think that faith is synonymous with denominations such as Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. The Bible says there's one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. So we know that it is talking about using our faith. So we, let's do a quick recap. We won't spend a lot of time on it. I would encourage you, if you're really interested in this uh, subject uh, matter, that if you would, just go back and look at the first part, understanding the process of faith. And we did a lot of expounding in the course of the foundation in order to establish it. So there's a lot of nuggets there. I may not go over. You may not get in this one. So the first thing that we established when we talked about faith was the fact that faith is a law. Faith is a law. Now, what do I mean by that? A law is something that is reoccurring that once it's established, that it continues. Like faith has the same precision and the same consistency as natural law, such as gravity, inertia, the law of relativity. Uh, these things work. They constantly work. And you don't have to do anything. These are laws. Faith works with the same precision. But then why aren't many Christians getting their prayers answered? Well, I would submit to you that many people may not be in faith. You know, there's a lot of, well, I don't want to say counterfeits. There's a lot of similarities between faith, hope, and belief. Faith, hope, and belief. And many times we could just be hoping and we think that we're in faith. Most of the time people acknowledge something, they believe it, and they think that they're in faith. However, we realize something about faith. They are different than all those other facets. Now, uh, another thing we learn is that natural law is governed by spiritual law. Uh, the Bible says, and I, I don't know if I go to this in the teaching, but Hebrews 11, 3. And the Bible says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see do not come from the things which do appear. So what happens is behind the scenes, there's a lot of things happening in the spirit realm and they govern what you see in the natural realm. Uh, many people, that's really hard. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, so when people can't see it, they tend to dis, uh, disallow it, disprove it. They, 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 uh, they become disinterested in it because they can't see it. It's not tangible. And it's not uh, something that you can taste, feel, hear, smell, or touch. Uh, so... 
we have to understand that the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. And everything you see that's going on in the natural realm is a component of something that's happening in the spirit realm. Now, another thing that uh, uh, the Bible says this, and I know in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says, There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And then the Bible says that the law of the spirit unto life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that's basically saying that the laws of the spirit supersede the laws of the natural. Are you listening? That's why you saw Jesus do so many tremendous things. And not just Jesus, but the apostles. They did miracles. They did many great things. But it was because they superseded natural law and they operated in the spirit. I can tell you right now, if you got a situation in your life, you've been struggling with it. You don't know how to get this thing out of your life. You have to go to the laws of the spirit. They will supersede the things that you're doing. But, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again, just as a disclaimer. You have to know for sure that bad habits will not over. I mean, bad habits will overcome desire are you listening bad habits will overcome desire you can desire all you want but your bad habits will sabotage the success of your desires now another thing we learn is that we were reborn we were renewed we were recreated to live by faith now i preached a message a long time ago and the name of it was Born to Lose and Reborn to Win. Let me tell you something. Before you are uh, a child of God, before you're walking in the spirit of God. Now, listen, it's not automatic just because you are a child of God if you don't work these laws. However, before you became saved, all of the laws were stacked against you. Are you listening? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15, the Bible says that if thou will not hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God and observe to do according to all that is written therein, all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee until thou art destroyed. And it goes all the way down through with a plethora of curses that were stacked against you before you were a child of God and superseded those things such as dealing with your finances. The Bible says, it talks about that, that you will uh, always be in want. It talks about how the, the stranger that is uh, within thee will get above thee very high and thou shall be bought very low. He shall lend unto thee and, and thou shall not lend unto him. Uh, it goes on to talk about your marriage, it says, thou shalt betroth a wife, another man shall lie with her. I mean, there is a lot of laws that are just stacked up. I mean, over and over, it says, even your children will go into captivity, and there will be longing in your eyes, and no might in your hands, and no man shall save thee. But verse 1, though, is that's what we are excited about, says, but if thou will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and observe to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, all these blessings shall come upon thee. 
Are you listening? Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Doesn't matter where you live. You will live a blessed life. Uh, blessing is more than just money. Are you listening? Blessing is you can walk in the health. You, blessing is you can live a life of harmony with your with your children, and you can you can teach them the ways of God according to Deuteronomy six. You can teach them when you get up in the morning, when you uh, by the way in the evening, uh, when you sit down at, at a meal. Teach your children the things of God, and many parents fail to do this. But now let me continue to go on. We are to live by faith. And we see this and we know that the scripture says, Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says in Romans 1, 17, it says it in Galatians 3, 10 and Hebrews 10, 38. They all say the just. Who are the just? That's you and I. If you are born again, you've been justified by the blood of Jesus. Are you listening? That's why he said, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Faith is that higher law. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So now let's go on. Another thing that we established was belief or belief and faith are not the same thing. They are not synonymous. We tend to think that they are. But according, biblically speaking, they are not. Why? Belief is the first stage. It is the initiator, the activator of faith. You must believe before you can walk in faith. Are you listening? So what, that, what else does that mean? Belief acknowledges what is true. And I use this analogy. I said you can be in the grocery store on aisle seven and die of starvation even if you believe that if you ate food, you would never die of starvation. But faith opens a can and takes a bite. There's actions associated with faith. You don't have to do anything to believe, but there are actions associated with faith. Now, what are the keys to having strong faith? Never have we ever lived in a time that you need strong faith. You need faith. You need faith in God. You need faith in the word of God. You need faith in God's system. You need faith in uh, God's promises. You need faith. So there are certain things you can do in order to enhance your faith, to build your faith. And there are things you can do to cause your faith to decline and cause your faith to recede. Are you listening? So what is it? that I could do in order to strengthen my faith? What part do I play in order to cause my faith to be strong? I'm glad you answered that. Let's go to the very basic principle uh, that was used as far as faith is concerned. And that is the scripture many of you can remember that you believed on in order to be saved. And that is Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. The Bible says, and listen to the principle, verse 9 and 10, it says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now watch the order. Verse 10 says, for with the heart 
man believe it unto righteousness. With the heart man believes unto right standing with God. According to Amos 3.3, it says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So there was somewhere we had to merge into the will of God and believe the will of God. So with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or deliverance. But when that's done, you technically have already believed unto righteousness. That answers the question, how can a, a, a sinner be saved if, according to John 9, 31, God doesn't hear a sinner's prayer? Now, you know, a lot of people won't agree with that. But listen, we are, we are here to preach the gospel. We are here to say what God says. Are you listening? We, in fact, are only the mailman. <laughs> we did not write the mail. We just delivered it. Are you listening? So the Bible says in John 9.31, you look it up. And we know God here is not a sinner, but if any man be a worshiper of him and doeth his will, him he heareth. So how does that happen? You believe first. With the heart man believed unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we established that the last time. You have to believe first. And if you remember, as well as I do, I know I can talk about my own testimony. It took a while for me to believe. I heard the gospel. I heard the gospel, but I kept getting overthrown by the lives of some Christians that, that called themselves Christians. And so, therefore, I just, you know, it. I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get what they were saying. They were, they were living a crazy crazy life and yet they were saying i'm a believer so i had to keep hearing keep hearing keep hearing keep hearing keep hearing and one day one day that word that i heard it just swole up on the inside of me are you listening and god gave the increase now so romans 10 9 and 10 10 says that belief is the initiator it is first now you here's another thing you do you must speak the word if you're not talking it's not faith you must speak the word now second corinthians chapter 4 in verse 13 says we having the same spirit of faith, I believe, therefore, have I spoken. We also believe, therefore, we speak. See, when you believe, you will talk it. You will talk what you believe. Even if you believe doubt and unbelief, you will still talk what you believe. So whatever you believe, that's what you will speak. Now, that can be to your demise. The Bible also says, uh, in Matthew 8, remember the story of the centurion soldier? 
and he wanted Jesus to come to his house. And so he said to Jesus, he said, look, Jesus in Matthew 8 and 8, he said, you don't have to come under my roof. Listen what he said. Just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only. This is what I encourage you to do. We haven't a lot. We have. We are opinionated about a lot of things. We have grown up with our belief system being established by a lot of things, past experiences, past hurts, things in the past. However, you need to understand something is that we say a lot of things based off of what we believe. And it hurt us many times because we don't understand the power that is in faith-filled words. Listen, you can have faith in your fears. <laughs> are you listening? I mean, some people right now, there are things that happen to you. People have uh, phobias, arachnophobia, which is a fear of spiders. Are you listening? People have all kinds of fears. Some people have fear uh, dogs because of a bad experience. Some people fear the dog. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that people fear. And so, therefore, they will speak these fears and compound these fears. You listening? So, you have to understand, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, Listen, remember what I just said about the centurion soldier? Speak the word only. Centurion soldier, that's what he said. But this is what 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11 says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If you have something that you want to say, let it be what God said. You must agree with what God says. God's word is already empowered in order for you to be a partaker, First Peter, uh, Second Peter, of his divine nature, you're going to have to agree with what God has said about your situation. Now, the problem is we say what is true. What is true is the present, current, situation. The truth is an eternal established fact. Now, what, the, what is true is you may be broke. That may be true. There's no lie in that. As my kids say, where's the lie? You might be feeling sick in your body. You might be afraid of Things that are going on in our society, such as the current pandemic. You might, you might be paranoid. But listen, the truth is, Jesus was made, Jesus who was rich was made poor that through his poverty, we might become rich. I didn't say we would get a million dollar check. That's not what I said. But we might become rich or, 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 or establish and secure. Now, you might have fear. That's true. You have that fear. But the truth is, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. What are you going to place your faith in? Faith in the word of God, 
or faith in your fears. You listening? You might be afraid that you're going to lose your job. What are you, you know, that you might not have ample food. The Bible says in for, uh, uh, Philippians 4 and uh, verse 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by his son, Christ Jesus. Remember, we talked about that storehouse on the last session. Listen to what it just says. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by his son, who is his son, John 1.14, he is the word, by his son, Christ Jesus, who is Christ, the anointed one. So you couple the anointing with the word and faith within the word, it will bring what's in glory, it will bring what's in that storehouse to your now. Now let's move right on because there's some more that I have to say about this. You need to understand something here. Why is it so important what you say? And guys, you know this as well as I do. We have, over the course of our lives, developed an undisciplined tongue. Now, that's the truth. You know. I mean, we have been taught to speak fear. We've been taught. I mean, our cliches are self-sabotaging. <laughs> you know, you, you're like, man, I, I just bought me a car. Listen to what you're saying, and that thing is going to cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> Did you get what you just said? Now, listen to this. It goes even further. Boy, that thing, man, tickled me so much, I almost died. You know, I tell you what, you need to just stop. You're killing me. You're killing me. Listen to that. We, uh, we've learned to speak death to our life and not life to our life. And we don't know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, it says, let every man give an account of every idle word he speak in the day of judgment. For by thy words, thou art justified, or by thy words, thou art condemned. Why is that so important? And the reason for that is, is because the word is a living thing. St. John chapter 6, 63, the Bible said it is the spirit that quickeneth or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. But the word that I speak unto you is spirit and it is life. The word of God is spirit and it is life. The word, those 66 books, is like a book full of seeds that are alive when they are planted. As long as you don't plant them, you cannot get the benefit of them. Jesus said it this way, a seed except that die and be planted, it abideth alone. You can put seeds in your hand. You can put five seeds in your hands and come back six years afterwards. And guess what? In your hand, you still have five seeds. It never produced a harvest. You must plant it. How do you do it? Mark Chapter 4, verse 14 says, the sower soweth the word. And then it went on to talk about the different and various grounds that it sowed it in. Stony grounds. It talked about uh, uh, good ground. It talked about ground wayside. 
that didn't have much uh, uh, depth to the seed. And then uh, the, the wicked one coming and taking it away. Are you listening? So the word is alive. And according to the law of Genesis, it says that anything that's alive has the ability to reproduce after its own kind. Why? The seed is in itself. The seed is in itself. What is that saying? Is that the word, the seed of the word has integrity. That's why there's impossible for you to take an orange seed and plant it and eat apples from that tree or from that seed. It's impossible. Why do you think the Bible keeps telling us Galatians chapter 6, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that, that, that shall he also reap. Whatever you sow it, that's what you will reap. The Bible says that we need to get, I think it's Isaiah 50, verse 4, somewhere around there. We need to get the tongue of the learned. That means we need to learn how to discipline our, uh, our tongue. The prophet said, I set a watch before my mouth. You listen. We need to learn how to discipline our tongue. You can't just say anything that you feel. That's why when you are hurting in your body, that's why when things go bad, there's a pressure on your tongue to speak life to something that will be detrimental to your life. Does that make sense? I hope you're getting this because these are the laws of God and you can't change them. You can either benefit from them or suffer the consequence for not using them accurately. Now, you got to, you got to know something here. We must go back and dig up some of these words that we've said about our life. We are so happy that we prophesied something detrimental just because it made us right. Right is overrated. You follow what I'm saying? We have to be careful. So the thing about it is the word is alive. And, you know, and, and we have to be careful because Proverbs chapter six and verse two says, thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. And by the words of thy mouth, thou art taken. Then we know our favorite scripture. It says in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he that loves it shall eat the fruit thereof. You can't just say anything. You can't say anything because you will eat the fruit thereof. You Listen, you have to be careful that you don't say counterproductive words. You must avoid counterproductive words and negative actions. You must avoid it. Counterproductive words and negative actions. I'll show you something, a principle out of the scriptures where people do things and they don't think it matters. People say things and they don't think it matters. God has set things into motion 
He's trying to get you to agree with what he said, but to agree with what he said, you must know what he said. To know what he said, you must become a student of the word of God. You are a believer and you must learn the laws that God wants you to live by now. So you must, you must study the word of God. You don't study the word of God because, listen, just because you were called to be a preacher, you study the word of God. So number one, you can live by. Number two, you can help someone else. Now, Malachi chapter three, I'm going to read this to you because I want you to see God's take on this, on the fact that we are constantly saying things and we have negative actions and the consequences that come with that. Malachi chapter three and verse 13. Um, this is where God had said, <clears throat> if you go back to around verse eight or whatever, he said, bring ye the tithe and offerings into the storehouse so there might be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. And see when I open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, there is not room enough to receive. Then he said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. But now God said, there are people who will obey uh, around verse seven, I guess six, seven, somewhere in there. It calls this an ordinance. There are people who will obey the ordinance and then turn right around and dig up the seed. What do I mean by that? And this is, don't get so caught up on the fact that I used the scripture that had to do with tithe. This could be anything. You could be believing God for uh, a make, you could be believing God for something great to happen, a promotion. You could be believing God and then start saying contrary things to what God has promised you. And you will dig up the seed. Look at verse 13, and he says, But your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, What have we spoken so much against thee? And listen to what he said. You have said it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we keep his ordinance? And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. Now, did you see the actions that went along with the attitude? Number one, we said, it, maybe you didn't say it that way. Maybe you said, you know, I'm tired of praying for this. I'm tired of believe, believing for this. I'm tired of what the preachers keep telling me about living right. I'm tired of hearing this about uh, God's blessing. I'm tired of hearing this about God is going to send me a mate. And then your actions will line up with what you're saying. And the Bible says here, they walk mournfully before the Lord. They walk despondent. They walk dis dis discouraged. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is around verse 29, uh, says, Let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edify, that it might minister grace to the hearers. And verse 30 says, And Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you have been sealed until the day of redemption. You grieve the Holy Spirit 
when you as a born again believer with the spirit of God in you, born of the incorruptible seed of God, talk defeat. You grieve the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the muscle of God that will help bring the word of God to pass. Remember in Genesis 1, the Bible says that the spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The Holy Spirit's job, he responds to the word and help brings it to pass. But when you grieve him, he can't get involved. Why? Because what you're saying is not scripturally accurate. He cannot, you know, sometimes we say stuff like, if you don't sit down, you're talking to your kids now, if you don't sit down, I'm going to come in there and knock your head off. He can't bring that to pass. See what I'm saying? He can't bring the type of things to pass that an undisciplined tongue will constantly repeat. He can't do it. And it grieves him. Because he wants you to speak life. He wants you to speak the word. Now, the Bible says that he said you have, you have, your words have been stout. Let me say this to you. According to James, the second chapter, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Another translation says it this way, and and I like this because it brings to mind an illustration. We'll get to this. Faith without corresponding actions. Faith without corresponding actions. It's one thing for us to stand up and speak the word of God. But if your actions don't line up with what you're saying, it will be void of power. That will preach by itself. If your actions does not line up with the words you preach, with the words you speak, with the words you recite, if there is no actions, then it will be void of power. Why? It says faith without works is dead. James went on and he said earlier in there, he said, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Did you understand when a person is deceased, the body is lifeless? But it doesn't mean that that person ceased to exist. They still exist. But the body itself is dead. And there is nothing else the body will be able to do. Faith is the same way. When you don't have corresponding actions, faith is lifeless. Faith will die. Faith will be deceased and you will still be waiting on something to happen. Faith without works, corresponding actions is dead. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to read something to you. Because what we find, faith without works. Your word is stout and you walk mournfully. I don't know whether you are one who will look at your life, examine your life, analyze your life. The Bible says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. 
I don't know if you do this or not. But one thing we know, and I said this in the last uh, lesson, your actions are a snitch. They will tell what you believe. You can say anything you want to say. Your actions will dime you out. They will drop a dime on you and say, they say good stuff, but they don't believe it because of their actions. Let's use this for instance. What if you say that you need a job and you are really trusting God for a job? You haven't put in any resume. You haven't put in any applications. You haven't contacted anybody. You haven't done any of those things. Your actions says you want to stay at home and continue to get a check if you can. I ain't mad with you. I'm just telling you about your actions. They tell the truth. So I want you to couple this together, actions and what you say. Because all you have to do is, uh, is, is, is just observe a person and you can tell what they believe. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to show you something here where the scriptures constantly confirm this. Look at verse 47. The Bible says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, he goes on to say, Therefore, Thou shalt serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee. Look, look, in hunger. Anybody hungry? In thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. In want of all things. Are you in want of all things? Go back and look at how you've lost your joy. Go back and look at how you have no more excitement in serving the Lord. You would much rather, rather than to step up and be counted, you would much rather do remote learning, stay away from being involved, stay away from getting involved in kingdom activity, in promoting the kingdom. You much rather stay away from the things of God. Your actions say how excited you look, you don't have a pocket God. Okay. You don't have a personal pocket God that, you know, you can still go to heaven, be blessed and all of that without getting involved with God's uh, uh, agendas. The Bible says in Psalms 35 and 27, it says, let them shout for joy. They that observe my righteous cause. That means if you are involved with, with building the kingdom, then you can shout for joy because he went on to say about how your bonds shall, shall be, be, be burst forward. He talked about uh, being supplied generously. So because he said that you don't serve the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, you will serve your enemies and you'll be hungry, you'll be thirsty, and you're going to want all things. That's where you're going to live. You're going to want everything. 
<clears throat> he said, <clears throat> and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. Now, what that simply means is when you get out from under the protection of God, Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you walk away from that, what happens? Then you put yourself in an arena for the enemy to have success. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me. For him to have success in your life. Now, let me finish. Why is this so important that you do what God tells you to do? Why? Excuse me. Why is this so important? Number one, because you were called to represent Christ to a lost world. And your faith or the lack of faith can be seen. Do you think it's fair to God for him to redeem you, save you, bless you, and then you hide out and you don't advance his kingdom? Well, I'm advancing his kingdom at the house. No, if you're at the house, you're advancing your kingdom. See, this is a temporary thing. We are here in order to push forth the kingdom until Jesus returned. And then we have to give an account for what we've done. Sometimes in this life that we're living in, people have gotten so deceived that they think that they're doing the will of God alone. Not possible. Because the Bible says that the body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. When you are severed from the hand, you start dying. We were called to represent. We are ambassadors for Christ, Paul said. And it's not about you. It's about Christ. It's about being a witness. According to Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that you were empowered. The Spirit of God came to empower you to be a witness. In other words, to show people Jesus beyond your own abilities. If you're not doing that, that's what you're going to give an account for. Because you're not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price. So you don't get to choose what you do. You just obey what he said for us to do. Enough about that because that, that irritates some people. And if it does, that just lets you know I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right. Your faith can be seen. Did you get that? Or your lack of it. It can be seen. Let's go to Luke chapter 5 and then close this out. Luke chapter 5. We are talking about um, understanding the process of faith. You need to understand faith so you know how to use it. Luke chapter 5, 
let's look at verse 17. And it came to pass that on a certain day he was teaching, and there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, me and bought a man that was a taken of palsy and sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus as he was teaching in the house. And they could not find a way that they might bring him in because of the multitude. And they went upon the housetop and they let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. Now, what is happening? What is happening is they bought this man. Another story said it was a man born of four. Four people was carrying him on a stretcher. They brought him there and they could not get in the house because of the multitude or because of the press. And they couldn't get there. So instead of these guys, man, saying we're going to return and take him all the way back, they said, no, we're not going back like that. So they began to look around to see how to get to Jesus. And they went up on the roof of someone else's house and they tore the roof off. And they lowered this man down in front of Jesus while Jesus was teaching. This is the impression it had on Jesus. The Bible says in verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said unto them, man, thy sins be forgiven. Do you understand what that just said? He saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith because it had corresponding actions. Jesus saw that they were trusting, they were believing, and they, they had no other options. I'm going to get this man to Jesus and he will be healed. So the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Listen, Jesus see your faith or lack of it. The Bible says when the son of man returned, where shall he find faith on the earth? He's coming back looking for people who are in faith. Don't be like the five foolish virgins that trim your wick and you are just hanging out with no oil. That's where a lot of people are going to find themselves. You have no oil. You're not flowing in the anointing. You're not flowing with the body. You're not doing what God has said for you to do. And so when he come, you can't all of a sudden run in. And that's what a lot of people did that during the pandemic. They were no shows. And then just as soon as, you know, it looked like we might be going back. I'm talking about the body. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the body. People start coming back, start coming back around. Are you listening? People are going to try to do Jesus like that, but he's going to come back so quickly. You won't have time in order to fix it. He said, when I come back, I have my rewards with me. And listen, he that is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. Now, let's close with this. He saw their faith. What are you doing in your life right now that will determine what is the evidence of your faith? What is if listen, I don't know if people want to even do this, but you can. What is the evidence of your faith? Put it down in the comments. Something that shows that you are connected with God, something that shows that you are still believing God, something that shows you haven't lost hope in what God has said to you. What is the evidence? Where is your evidence? Because faith has to have evidence. 
I'm going to close with this. Corresponding actions. Strong faith is faith where your actions are consistent with your words. Now, how many of you out here remember coming up as a kid? Some of y'all might do it now. And it was like you take a deck of cards, you put them face down, and you play this game of uh, memory. And it's called match card. You might have called it something else. But what you do is you flip over one card and then you find the mate to it and you flip it over. If you don't find the mate, you have to put them both back. When you find the mate, you can take it up and possess it. This is how the word works. When your actions match your word, you can possess it. But anytime there is a mismatch and your actions don't match your words, you have to leave it on the table. So many Christians have left so many things on the table that they are entitled to. Only because they don't have a match. Look at someone and say, do you have a match? Somebody, somebody think you want to light a cigarette. <laughs> Christians ought to quit smoking too. That's another story. Well, it ain't no sin in the Bible. No, it's not. But you know, guess what? The Surgeon General is not a prophet, but he said it'll kill you. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. So when your cards match, you possess it. Here's the kicker. That's either good or bad. You can say negative things and your actions line up with what you're saying. And you can possess it. Now that'll preach too. Be careful what you're saying. Does your actions match the negative things that you're saying? That might be why you still have them. So I close with this. When you give counsel, advice, or opinions, let it be word-based or don't give it. The Bible says, I think Matthew 5, 37, the Bible says, let your answers be yea or nay. All else is of evil. You know, somebody come to you. You just have to learn to be consistent. Somebody come to you and say, hey, can I borrow uh, $10 from you? Well, you know, you, instead of you saying, no, 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 because you still owe me 10. <laughs> You'd be like, no, because, you know, I just left the gas station. I just left the gas station and put all of that. And you'd be lying, you know, let your words be few. Say no. <laughs> but see, we don't have the courage to just be truthful. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. You don't have to be offensive, but the truth will offend people. That's not your problem. When your motive is correct, you can be as sweet as you want to be, sweet as pie, and people will still get offended at what you say if it's the truth, because people don't want to hear the truth. 
But long as your motive is correct, that's not your problem. You can't determine how a person is living. Well, let me let me let me close because I've gone over my time. You must speak the word, but it is God who give it the increase. You must speak the word, but God gives the increase. The Bible says one sow, another water, but it is God that gives the increase. You don't know what God will do with a righteous word spoken in due season. Don't be so concerned about how people receive it. God is the one that will cause it to blow up. Just do your part. Praise God. Praise God. This will be continued because there are more facets to the process of faith. And so we will get right back into this again uh, on Sunday. So I just want you to be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to your assignment. The Bible says God added to the church such as should be saved. He added you for a reason. Let us continue to be faithful in what we do. And God will bless your works and your efforts when they match what you say. Amen. Share this message. Share. I can't emphasize that enough. Share the message. People need to know about faith in a time, these unprecedented times we live in. They need to know about faith because that is their answer. So until we come back together again, whatever you do, whenever you do it, and for how long you do it, make sure that you are doing it with the word of God, that you are doing it in faith, and then you'll know for sure that you can keep it real.